The following podcast is brought to you by Astro Panda Productions. For more information or to find other great shows, visit astropandaproductions.com or visit the Astro Panda Productions page on blogtalkradio.com. As of, what, like two days ago? Yeah. Dumpster fire is now in the dictionary. An utterly calamitous or mismanaged situation or occurrence. Disaster. That sounds pretty close to what we have going on here. Yep. Calamitous. I love that word. We are calamitous. We are. It's like the audio equivalent of, you know, when you step in the paint bucket when you're trying to paint and everything just goes to shit. Yeah. Well, do you want to get this dumpster fire started? Yeah, sure. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jordan, and I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Aaron. Hi. Hi. And so today, we're kind of veering off the path a little bit, and we're, we're getting away from the grown-up movies like The Prestige, and we decided to go with uh, found footage films. One in particular, we decided to go with the Poughkeepsie tapes. How did we end up watching the Poughkeepsie tapes? Well, you asked me what we were going to do next, and I was like, something different and then I remembered listening to last podcast on the left which if you haven't listened to it you are missing out because it's awesome it's like one of my favorite podcasts I'm I'm binge listening to it right now and it's awesome and I think they were talking about like their top horror movies and one of them said the Poughkeepsie tapes and I was like oh that's one that I have not seen so that's how I brought it to our attention I'm not really a huge fan of found footage. It's kind of one of those things where it has to be a good enough story and the shaky cam cannot be 90% of the movie for me to enjoy it. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm having a seizure like every scene. I I can't do it. It makes me nauseated. I guess I can't say every found footage film is like that, but most of them are. This one was actually the exception, I feel like. Well, I'm a huge fan of found footage films. I've seen hundreds of them. I love them. I seek them out. It's like my favorite genre. I'm not even tired of it. Everyone's getting tired of it. I'm not tired of it. Why would you say it's your favorite genre? I just really love it. I watch a lot of found footage films. If I see one, I watch it. And they're not all good, but I appreciate them all. Yeah. Even the shitty ones. Sometimes the shitty ones are are actually really funny. Most. So what would you say is the shittiest found footage film that you've ever seen? I probably wouldn't be able to remember the name of the shittiest found footage film I've ever seen. Oh, I've probably it was that bad. Well, I mean, like I said, I've seen a lot. Yeah, I've, and a lot of them are just shoveled out to Netflix and Hulu. And, yeah, you know, there's a lot of that out there. This movie came out in 2007, and oddly enough, it didn't have a theatrical release. It didn't have an official DVD or Blu-ray release, and there was really not an explanation as to why it was pulled from theaters. It might have been because it was too scary for some people, but its first official release didn't actually occur until seven years later in July 2014. And it was as it was like a video on demand through DirecTV, which I guess is how people found it, which seems really obscure for however many people know about this movie, which seems like a lot. It had a bit of a following, though. I saw it long before 2014. I saw the Poughkeepsie tapes for the first time probably in 2008 or 2009. Yeah, I downloaded it off of BitTorrent. Well, I hadn't actually heard of it until we started talking about movies. And I was like, what even is that? And you and Nikki were like, oh, God, we definitely have to watch that sometime. And I was yeah. like, 
oh, okay. The way I found out about it was because of a gif that was going around on Reddit or Dig or something. I can't remember what really? I was using at the time. Yeah, it was the the scene where he's got the mask on and he's walking on his hands and legs. Oh, and it's oh, really creepy. Yeah. Somebody made a gif out of that and I saw it a couple of times and one time I drilled down into the thread because I wanted to find out what the hell that was. And yeah, that's what I found out. I went home, downloaded it, watched it. It's a favorite of mine. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny. GIFs are like the new mini trailers because I see GIFs all the time. And I'm like, what is that from? And then I have to go find it and I find the movie and the person and then I watch it. And You, you know. can generate some some buzz off of a, of a GIF. Well, especially if there's no context. And if you post something like that, like that particular scene, I mean, that's going to have people going, what the fuck is that? Because, and and we'll get to that scene, but like there were some scenes that I watched and I'm going, wow, somebody actually had to sit and think about this, like sit down and write it. And even if some of the actors ad-libbed or whatever, that particular thing, they had to imagine in their own mind, like... I feel like you kind of have to be a lunatic to write stuff like that. Like maybe just a little tiny bit. Like you have you you have tendencies of of a scary crazy person maybe. Well, I don't know. I think once you sit down and put your mind to writing horrible things that you could do to people, yeah. It starts to flow from you, I would imagine, you know. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, it's it's not like you have to stretch too far to think of awful things to do to people we've all seen plenty of horror movies that's true that's true the one thing that i noticed about this that was impressive to me was the acting yeah because sometimes you can watch mockumentaries or you can watch faux documentaries whatever and you can very clearly like the acting is just like eh, some par you're like well there is one guy in this movie that really does take me out of it who i believe he's like a forensics analyst he's an old guy white hair they try oh, and do yeah. like a they try and make it look like a scene out of forensic files. Oh but, yeah. But the guy just looks like he's reading off of a <laughs> cue card and and every time I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. This fucking guy. Well, I'm for the most part, the main players of this quote unquote documentary, I thought they were really good. So, Jordan, what's this movie about? So, the official summary on this movie is when hundreds of videotapes showing torture, murder, and dismemberment are found in an abandoned house, they reveal a serial killer's decade-long reign of terror and become the most disturbing collection of evidence homicide detectives have ever seen. So, really, it's a fake documentary about a serial killer. Yeah, made up of thousands of VHS tapes that were recovered from a home that the police searched. It's almost like an unbelievable amount. Yeah, they open up on this scene where they're showing all these VHS tapes. They're yeah. zooming out the shot and there's just tapes and tapes and more tapes. It's really cool. It I mean it is cool, it's a but lot in of my fucking tapes. But in my mind I'm going that's a lot. That's almost too much for I don't know. Maybe they that's drive a- their point home. It's a lot of tapes. Yeah. They yeah. want you to know this guy has been at it a long time. Yeah. It's almost like you're watching a Forensic Files episode. Right. It, yeah. Because it goes back and forth between showing bits from the videotape, which is real creepy because it's kind of distorted and it goes between like different colors and it's staticky. To... Yeah, it's, it's made to look like VHS. Poorly. Yeah. Made to look like VHS tape. So it goes between the VHS tapes and the investigators talking about it, talking about the, the case it starts out showing this video of a girl 
having to blow up a balloon and then he's making her Sit on jump it. on top of it to to pop it. Yeah. It's very bizarre and you're like Yeah, and it starts off you're thinking that, you know, it's a home video or something, you know. Yeah. It starts off kind of innocently. Uh, girl and I guess she's in a bikini mm-hmm. and he has her sit on the on the balloon and bounce up and down and he wants her to pop it and she says what and then like right at that moment the air gets colder in the room you know it almost feels like yeah and uh and things get real serious he starts yelling and she gets this horrified look on her face that's that's one of the cool things about this movie the facial acting on all of these victims Mm -hmm. is fantastic i mean i don't know how they got these people because these are all unknown people they must have put out a casting call and it must have said looking for someone who can truly look like they're terrified that someone's about to murder them yeah uh, because they all do it really well they do they do and and it's stuff like that it's the little details that make you forget that you're not watching a real documentary um, they go to great lengths to make it seem like this is a real ser- serial killer that yeah. lived in Poughkeepsie and and he killed hundreds and hundreds of people. Like, yeah, it took this me- is not tongue in cheek. This oh. is there's no breaking of the fourth wall on this film except for the one shitty actor. If this just came on and you were channel surfing, you wouldn't know it wasn't real. I love Forensic Files and the new detectives and all the shows that they were parodying with this movie or not parodying but uh the shows that they were simulating in this movie right those are some of my favorite shows yeah it just it took me a couple tries when i'm looking at it or when i was watching it to be like okay this is not real oh oh, right 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 this is not real this is not a real person like it's easy to forget yeah like from scene to scene that that you're watching something that's scripted yeah it's just really well done and it's really dark and and just visceral just dirty looking yeah it gives you a, it's got a crust to it this this movie's got a bit of a slime on it it really that does you can kind of feel when you're watching it well and as i was watching this movie i wrote uh, rules of how to prevent your own murder Ooh. i wrote a couple um rule number one of preventing your own murder never pick up hitchhikers Yes. Ever. Never, ever, ever. Ever. Especially if it's dark and it's a man and or if it's yep. like pouring rain. Like, I, I know that you like, for me, I have a compassionate heart and I'm like, oh, it's hot outside or it's raining. But I remember watching all of those television shows of people who got murdered from picking up hitchhikers. Yep. Don't do it. Yeah, don't. Especially don't do you it. young brunette women, because this certainly was based on Ted Bundy to a certain extent. Yeah. Without yeah. a doubt. Uh, matter of fact, I think that's mostly... This is a Ted Bundy type killer. He's using his uh, charm and tricking people into getting in the car with him and yeah. shit like that. I mean, this this guy's a Ted Bundy for sure. There are several videos that are shot in first person. Right. So it's like you're looking at it through his eyes. Our, our killer was making videos of everything. Yes. This guy was chronicling all of these evil things that he was doing. Yes. And I think the thing that really kind of jarred me the most is that he would start videotaping right at the moment that he like hits someone over the head or does something that you're not expecting. Like the hitchhikers, it's the husband or the wife and the whatever girlfriend and boyfriend. They pick up this hitchhiker and he's just sitting in the back and they're very, obviously very uncomfortable, but they're like, Oh, you know, whatever. And, 
basically shows him hitting the guy over the head and then the car um the car running into a tree and it's all very quiet there's no music there's just screaming and the sounds of crunching and and hitting and it's just very jarring because it looks real yeah it feels real when you watch stuff like CSI or Criminal Minds you never really see the moment that they grab somebody I mean, you, you do sometimes, but a lot of times it shows after. But this, you're hearing the sound of someone's head getting bashed in, and you're just like, oh my god, like, jeez Louise. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of, that touches on what makes this movie so scary, is because there's nothing supernatural here. Yeah. This is all stuff that can, has, and will happen. Yeah. This is very real, very much what you would expect to have to deal with if you were taken by a serial killer. Yeah. You said it's not supernatural, and I just automatically thought of paranormal activity. You, you'd you count that as found footage, right? Absolutely. Okay. I also love the paranormal activity movies. I've only ever seen the first one, um, and it scared me a lot, more than I thought it would, because I, I sat there going, I've watched horror movies. Like, this is not going to be anything. But then afterwards, I was real creeped out. I was just like, oh, boy, this is this is weird. But the difference on that is you can go, oh, that's not real. Like that's yeah, that certainly never feels real. That's stuff that you can put on a, a special little shelf and go, oh, that's never going to happen to me. But let me tell you, when I was going home last night, <laughs> <laughs> I was coming out of your house and I just automatically had this thought of, this is how a uh, serial killer start story starts. Yeah. And I just imagined, uh, what was his name from um, America's Most Wanted? John Walsh. John Walsh. I just imagined his voice in my head going, she was going home after hanging out <laughs> John, with her friend. And you peel away and John Walsh is standing by my mailbox. <laughs> she was just leaving a friend's house one night. I I checked in my back seat. I did. Did you really? Yes. I looked like in my back seat, in my trunk, because I was like- <laughs> You opened the trunk? Oh, my God. Somehow, he's going to come th- crawling through. Anyway, so it See, definitely- that's so that's just adorable to me that you still get scared of movies. <laughs> I've never- I don't know that I ever have been scared of a movie in my life. Well, it's not so much scared. I just felt- aware now yeah, i was just aware were on, of my surroundings like what was that who were you stop that like i was i was on my toes yeah because i don't want to be in a john walsh america's most wanted episode yeah okay? nobody wants that i don't want to be that one victim that everyone's no. just like oh she was a nice girl she just didn't check her back seat like i don't <laughs> want that no no yeah. sir so so rule I, i'd say rule number two check your back seat before you drive off yeah, night. just give it a quick look. It's yeah. not going to hurt anything. Yeah, if it's some big could save dude, your life. The he'll... life you save could be your own. The other thing that I thought of was, I know that these guys were not real FBI agents. Like, I know that. But they were very professional looking. They sounded very official. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking, God, it must be so scary to be an FBI agent and have all of that knowledge in your head at a time. Yeah, because like, they have this scene where... This guy's lecturing new recruits into the FBI, and he's talking about this case. He's um, presenting it as a worst-case scenario. Yeah. If you can't handle what you're seeing on this on these videotapes, then this is not the career for you. Yeah, which I feel like would be very like a very real talk that you would be having with yes. recruits is 
you know i think that was some really good writing that scene yeah. right there really did build the severity of the situation yeah for sure you know? and and you definitely get like a uh jack crawford feel yeah, off of this guy you like, sure do he's very you know weathered and he's been he's been around he's seen all these things and he's experienced life and you know he's basically talking to a bunch of green guild fresh out of the fresh out of the shoot recruits yeah so I think that right there is what keeps me from being an FBI agent. Like, because we've all had that thought of, what do I want to do with my life? Oh, man, it'd be so cool to be an FBI agent. And then I think, A, it would either be terrifying. My life would, I would always be scared of my shadow. Or B, it'd be boring because you get stuck on, like, IRS scams or insurance fraud. You know, <laughs> nothing, nothing real exciting. So there was one thing that made me laugh because, like, they always... They include every officer, every FBI investigator that even touched the case. Like, it's just so funny. And they have, um, they had the guy that he had to watch all 2,000 hours of videotape. And I'm sitting there going, why would you have one guy yeah. watch all the videotapes? Like, you don't have it in shifts. Like, you don't. Do you have a psychologist in-house? Like, please don't. This is out like the most horrible work ever. Yeah. Like, had to draw straws for that one. Damn it. I have to watch all the videotapes. Yeah, I would not want that job. No. What'd they say? It was like over 2,600 hours of videotape. And- I guess we should probably tell people what's on the tapes. They outline a bunch of different crimes, but it like there's this one scene where he walks up to a a girl scout that's out on the front porch trying to sell cookies and the scene starts from inside the car he's sitting in his car across the street from where this little girl is and he's breathing really heavy and the camera's all shaking and then he gets out of the car and walks up to the little girl and starts talking to her and then he just grabs her and it's like so yeah terrifying it's like yeah. Way too inside baseball. Well, and the thing about this guy, because we never see his face, we don't really know anything about him. He's talking to the little girl and he says, I like your doll. And she doesn't say anything. And he goes, I said, I like your doll. Like he seems like he's very much about politeness. There was another scene where he says, you know what they say about assuming and oh, makes yeah. an ass out of you and me. And you're just like, are, are you a dad? Like, is yeah. this why you're talking like this? Because only well, dads talk like this. There's some shades of Dennis Rader in him, too, isn't there? Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I, I didn't am- even think about that till just now. Yep. And you were talking about Ted Bundy earlier. And there's a scene where, was it the recruiter or it was some FBI agent who got to interview, quote unquote, Ted Bundy. And they were asking him his advice about how to catch this guy. And I'm just sitting there going, I wonder if Ted Bundy would have actually done that. Ted Bundy did consult with the police when they were looking for the Green River Killer. Oh. Yeah. wait, Gary Ridgeway. Oh. oh. Killed a lot of fucking people. There was one forensic scientist that they had in the show that they called a dismemberment expert. And I'm going... That's so not real. Like, is that a real thing? Do you need an expert for how to dismember people? I would imagine, yeah, you would need somebody to at least claim that they're an expert in order to use them in court. I mean, it's really not. 
I understand like blood spatter. There's a lot of science behind blood spatter. I understand the the need for a ballistics expert for DNA. Like all of those things have complicated issues that you have to work through. But a dismemberment expert? And he had a table full of these tools on, that you could use to dismember people. And I was just They're like. special made dismemberment apparatus. That's why you need an expert. When you've got expert tools, you got to have someone. That well, I mean, do them. you get your tools from like dismember mart? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I've just been looking for the right tool and this sawzaw does it for me. How much do you want? Yeah. Like I I just that took me out of it a little bit. Like really a dismemberment expert? Like come on. All you need is a forensic scientist. You don't have to say dismemberment expert like please. Well, yeah, that was a bit hammy writing. This this coming from the girl who watches cop shows where they can zoom in on security cameras and get details about <laughs> license right. plates. Zoom in on the reflection of someone's eye. <laughs> So the the other thing about this killer, because, you know, there would be uh, VHS tapes that he would shoot where he just put the camera down and then he would be in front of the camera. But he's wearing this mask. I can't remember what they called it, but it was a plague mask. Yes. It's like like, plague doctors. It's a mask with the really long hooked nose. And back during the those times, doctors and and whoever that trying to protect themselves from the plague would wear those masks. They didn't Um, work. No, they didn't because they didn't understand how germs worked. Um, Those masks are super creepy to me. I don't know what it is. Well, that's the deal. They were trying to scare the germs away. (laughs) (laughs) Boo! (laughs) Boo! All the germs just scatter. He died. I guess it didn't work. Hmm. Next tactic. Yep. Lobotomy. Lobotomy. Fixes what ails you. Swirl the brains around, make ice cream, and hope everything turns out all right. So the other thing that kind of took me out of it is that this guy was so dramatic. Yeah. Like, I'm watching this guy and I'm going, you're like theatrical dramatic. It kind of goes back to BTK. He was definitely a narcissist. I mean, I think most serial killers are narcissists, but this guy had a God complex. One of the things that he did that really creeped me out, the Dempsey girl that he took first, he went to her mother's house and basically was like, if there's anything I can do to help you. And the mom like puts it together and she's like, oh my God, it's you. Yeah. Like that, that gave me like the chiggles. Like I just couldn't. <laughs> did you get the chiggles? I got the chiggles. I, I just couldn't. I was like, I don't even know what I would do in a situation like that. That was kind of one of the most disturbing scenes in this movie. The the look on her face. The, yeah. Another excellent facial actor. So rule number three of preventing your own murder. Don't get into strange men's cars. Nope. Ever. Nope. Ever. I don't. And, and if it looks like Ugh. a cop car, make sure. Yeah. Your cop cars are going to have plates that say they're exempt or that they're law enforcement. Don't get into any no. old Crown Vic. With a cattle guard and some lights on top. It yeah. might not be a cop. You can buy those at the auctions. Yeah. They're like $6,000. You can buy cop costumes on Amazon. Yeah. For like 20 bucks. Yeah. Fuck the fake police. Especially this guy, because in this part of the movie, they're showing VHS tapes of he's got this girl in the back of her car. Her car's broken down. She's very like, oh my gosh, I'm glad you came along. And he's like, you shouldn't be out here. Um, by yourself and she's like yeah I know and and he's like okay there's a gas station around the corner I'll drop you off and then it proceeds to get worse and worse like he doesn't go to the gas station and she's just like hey the turn was back there and he's like I know and he, he just says 
did you think I was a cop? Yeah, because oh, because she you says you can just see her face just drain. Yeah, because he says, "Why did you call me officer?" And she goes, "That's right." Uh, what do you mean? And he said, "You called me officer." Well, because you're in a cop car, but I'm not a cop. Like at that moment, I would have uh, simultaneously peed and shit myself. Yeah, and she like, she did. You could see her doing it in yeah. her facial expressions. And this scene. Uh, the way this scene is framed up, it's just you're looking directly at her face. Yes. The the camera is sitting on the dashboard of the car uh, pointed in between the seats and she's sitting in the middle talking. It's it's dead on her face the whole time. And yeah. she does a great job. That was difficult for me to watch because I don't even know what I would do in that situation. I mean, the fact that you realize too, too late that you're in a serial killer's car. I mean, yeah. you know, and you can see it on her face. She knows she's going to die. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no saving you at that at that juncture. And that that to me just is like just yep. heart stopping. And it and of course, ugh. it keeps the camera on the scene way too long. Oh, and yes. it just gets just more and more desperate. Yeah, I He's have telling her, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to rape you. And I might not kill you if you're nice. Through every video that you watch of him killing, and he has no age preference. He has no gender preference. He just kills whoever he wants to. Now, it's mostly women, but he you also He'll see kill him. their boyfriends or husbands yeah, if, like, if he has to, to get to them. Yeah, and so the whole time that he's killing all of these other people, he's got this slave, this uh, Cheryl, Cheryl Dempsey. Dempsey, who he caught first. And he's basically brainwashed her into just this anxiety-ridden, uh, horribly physically and sexually abused, yeah. calling him master. Like, I mean, he's broken her. She's his stock homie. Yes. I mean, the very first scene where you see after he's captured her is just horrifying because he's got her hogtied, basically. And, it, like, watching it, I'm, I'm skeeved out. I'm just sitting there going, oh, my God, oh, my God. So this Cheryl Dempsey is there through everything. And he has her helping him kill people. And, oh, man, the the mindfuckery that goes into that is just insane. And this girl that he captures in in the cop car, you see him kill her. I mean, it's not just the camera turns away and you don't see anything else. Like, you watch him just end her and I don't even know what to say it like the fact that you first of all have somebody who writes this you have the people who agree to act in it and then you have the people behind the camera who are probably going oh my what the fuck yeah like it's very in your face yes very sudden and yeah final it's just disturbing. Because the the documentary or the quote unquote documentary does a really good job of lulling you into safety when it when it's talking with the investigators because yeah. you're like, oh, very, oh, this is so interesting and scary. Yeah. And then it just automatically. And then it comes back and devastates you again. There's yes. this one scene in the movie and this is, this is, I think we're right about that point. So I'll bring it up now. Yeah. This is the scariest scene in any movie I think that I've ever seen. I mentioned before, I don't get scared at movies. That's yeah. true. I'll get skeeved out at movies. But this scene made me just shudder. Mm-hmm. And that's the scene when he's walking around in those people's house. And they're oh. in the house. And he's he's just kind of skulking around yes. in the darkness. He's got his camera. He goes into the bedroom. 
there's one of them sitting on the bed and he just sits there for a full well he's 20 seconds yeah well yeah he goes in the closet and then someone comes in there and he's just in there and then he he makes his way back out just as casually as he made it in and those people never knew he was there he didn't kill any of these people oh i know the scene was just there to show you to creep you the fuck out well, I'm wondering what kind of camera would he have that somebody wouldn't notice because it, he's obviously using tapes. So and he sets it on there on her like bedside table and she's there standing in her towel and her boyfriend's on the bed. So what is he using that they're not going? What the fuck is that thing? Like, is that yours? No, it's not yours. It's not mine. Like, I, I don't know. I, Maybe they just didn't notice. I mean, that was obviously some high risk behavior for a obviously for a prowler. So I he, that's probably part of the thrill for him, too. He, that's probably Ooh. what he did to keep from having to kill people, was he would go just do that every night, just go wander around in someone's house while they're home. Well, there was a scene that was similar to that with the Girl Scouts that came yeah. to his house. That's right. Oh, that was a... He didn't kill them, but he sat there with his camera and these two little girls who are very obviously like, oh, crap, like we don't want to be here, but the guy is very obviously like guilting them into being there right. type thing. Like it would be rude to not come in and have something to drink. Yeah. Um, and he talks with them. They sit down. There's, he's got a little couch and there's a table in between them. You know, the reason I bring up the table, right? Why? Cheryl was in there. Oh, that's right. Cause when the cops come in afterwards, they pull the tabletop off of the little wooden box that he's been keeping her in. Those little girl scouts were setting their lemonade on a fucking Cheryl Dempsey's oh little God. cage that he was keeping her in. And he lets the girls go, which I was glad for. I was yes. like, oh, if I have to watch anything about those little girls, I'm going to I'm gonna have to get up and walk away. They weren't ready to murder Girl Scouts on a movie, but they definitely uh, got the job done just by having them there. They didn't have to take that too far because it was already yeah. insanely creepy. Well, and what I was saying earlier about him doing it in first person where you can't see him, but you can, yeah. it looks like it's through his eyes is that you don't know when he's going to strike you're sitting there going okay what when is he going to do it when is when is it going to happen oh my gosh i gotta like wait for the right moment to cover my eyes you know (laughs) yeah but it it might not do anything at all yeah and it's just so random and then when he does do it you're like oh crap i wasn't prepared i saw everything now i'm gonna have nightmares um this movie's pacing is is where the magic is i think so too I think so, too. I was really impressed with how well they were able to space out the videotapes with the actual documentary and really just building to the point where, I mean, it shows you the very worst thing last, which I, in my opinion, was the English girl that was in the cop car. You know, you see the door, you see that she's tied up, she's got tape over her mouth, which I didn't realize it was tape. I thought it was snot. <laughs> I was like, oh well, my God, that's so Well, because so awful. the effects that they put on the VHS parts of this movie mm-hmm. make it look really bad. Yes. It, they're way worse than any VHS tape would ever really be, but it adds so much creepiness to these images. Yeah, because then out of nowhere, in the corner of the rest of the frame... Well, at first, you just see the mask. Yes. Just kind of pop out from nowhere that was a jump scare for me i was not ready for that i was just like oh oh my god then he walks in almost in an inhuman kind of way on his hands and his feet and he's walking over towards her he's got a mask on his face and then one on top of his head and she can see him out of the corner of her eye but she can't move 
She can't run away. She can't even scream. And the closer he gets, you're just like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And you're just, to me, I was just super claustrophobic the whole time. And I just was like, I want this to end. I need this to end, like, right now because I can't handle this. And then it really just made me think about um, the acting perspective of it. Because as an actor, you're always wanting to be challenged. You're always wanting to do something that pushes your own limits. And for me, at first I was like, oh, it'd be fun to do a found footage film. But then after watching that scene, I'd be like, (laughs) man, I'd have to have some serious therapy. Like, I know it's fake. I know it's not real. But damn, that... Well, that might would have messed me up for a couple days. I wouldn't just need cartoons and puppies for the next like couple weeks. Because they're going to you're going to get on set and they're going to be like, hi, Jordan, how are you today? Well, uh, let's get you in makeup. They're going to strap tape on your mouth. They're going to make you look beat as fuck. Put a little bit of blood on you. Yeah. And then they're going to tie you up, you know. Because you know they have to keep rolling. I mean, they're going to keep rolling for as long as possible until they give like a safe word or something. And they're like, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like, and of course, to end that scene, the guy kind of creeps up on her and grabs her by the head. And he's got these three needle fingers ugh. like they're like thimbles i guess with some big spikes on yeah. it like you would use to air like, up a basketball he jabs them into her carotid and oh god and the, the whole thing you see just right up close right in your face it's yeah disturbing all of the kill scenes are just horrifying yeah yeah and but also thinking about having to play the victim but having to play the serial killer like you have to be that person that does that i mean i don't know if i could that's that's a difficult thing to have to just be this heartless ruthless sociopathic i mean i can't even relate to that on any level like not one scrap of that can i relate to maybe maybe it's one of those things where you're just such a good actor you can just jump into it and it's not a big deal i don't know i don't know i'm sure it would definitely be an interesting day on the set Oh, for sure. I mean, (laughs) I've done some really difficult scenes before where I had to put on some happy music and I was like, okay, just give me five more minutes and then we can go on. It gets that intense because they're really wanting to get these genuine reactions out of you and they can't do that if the intensity is not there. Right. Because that's how you get the, the reactions that you do in this movie. Yeah. You know, you build up the tension. There's nobody on set. It's quiet. It's dark. You don't talk to the other actor. You don't have really any idea what they're going to do until it happens. And then you're just. Wah! There were some characters that were a little too cliche, I have to say. Which um, ones? The big walrus type police chief. Yeah. With the walrus mustache. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard ass lady attorney. Yep. You know, um, then they have the guy who is innocent, but is a creepy ass serial killer looking dude. Yep. So at at one point in this movie, the cops are closing in on the killer. Uh, He's a cop. They, They found evidence of his blood and semen on a bunch of the crime scenes. And somehow they tied it together that it was this cop. So they arrest him. They convict him. We get to see an interview with his son, which is like just kind of it really it really serves to kind of drive the point home because they go to this great lake to get you riled up against this guy. Like, yeah, fuck this guy. They they make you think that he is the killer, uh, but 
I guess I guess you can see where I'm going with this. They execute him, and then the next that day, the, that is the fastest conviction to execution I've ever seen. That's true. It was a bit of a railroading. I mean, even in like a 45 minute cop drama, they're usually like, "Oh, we're convicting him," but you never see him get the death penalty, and they might do a like a um, continuation episode. But this was like they caught the guy and like a week later he's getting the needle getting the needle yeah this is just a testament to how detailed this movie is they do the interview with the son they go through the trial and court case you see some of the jury you see some courtroom footage you see them taking him down the green mile or whatever mm-hmm. uh is, isn't that what you call it they they have him to go. I think they take only him in down. That particular prison for that particular uh, movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, they show him on death row and they take him to the execution chamber. And you see a news report. You know they've got a news guy, yeah. and uh, you know the governor hasn't granted a stay. And then they do audio of the technicians in the execution room talking about phase one is completed, phase two is completed. They go through the whole fucking thing. They flesh it all out. Yeah. And then cut away. Next scene. And then we got a letter from someone saying, you missed one. Oh, my God. So, basically, the killer went and stole this guy's donated sperm from a sperm bank. What? Planted it on all the crime scenes and framed this cop for murder. Okay. Okay, this is where it kind of lost me a little bit because because the conviction was so fast. And I mean, Poughkeepsie has to be like this magical place where you don't have a you don't have a big long trial, you don't have any um prison time. You know, even in Texas where we all favor the death penalty, like we'll take you out back and hit you with the brick, like it's not even that fast in a place like Texas. But Poughkeepsie, like, you better not commit any murders there. They will kill your ass, like, right back. Like, you better not. <laughs> so, it's a bit unrealistic. It's a little. But it it's a cool twist. I'm glad they did it. The son, the son was cracking me up because he was, well, very cliche because he's the teary son. The, my dad is innocent. My dad is innocent. He has the best mascara. Yeah. I have to know, where did you buy it from? Because... Daggum, your eyelashes are better than mine. They went pretty heavy with the makeup on that guy, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Like, he looked like he was about to start singing some George Michael in a, in a hot second. <laughs> so the other thing that kind of took me out of it is while this guy is, is being convicted and then he goes through the death penalty and they're all like, oh, no, we killed the wrong guy, which in my head I'm going, if you hadn't tried to kill him so fast... <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> you might have caught the right guy. While this is all happening, 9-11 happens. Nobody cares about anything but 9-11. And that's the thing that cracked me up is like one of the cops and then the son were like, how dare someone care about other people dying? Oh, the serial killer is more important than terrorism. How dare dare you oh come on that's what it seemed like they were like nobody cared nobody cared that they killed an innocent man because two planes ran into buildings in 9-11 and i'm like okay come on it's terrorism in america i think if it was my father or my partner i'd probably care a lot more about that than than 9-11 too it just it just seemed like they were just very like give my father some respect how dare you (laughs) God, fine. I, I feel like it was a necessary evil. 
They had to find some reason why this thing got swept under the rug. Yeah, I guess so. So, 9-11. Why not just use 9-11? I guess so. Then they finally, like, they they have a break in the case. And they find this house um, that they think the real serial killer lives in and has been doing all of his dark deeds. Um, they get the whole army out for this dude. <laughs> yeah. All of SWAT, the Marine Corps, the Navy, yeah. the Army... Air Force, and I'm just sitting there going, really? Like, for one guy? Yeah, and I said, that's a little silly. I said something to Nikki. I said, it'd be one thing if he had, like, an army of himself and, like, an army of serial killers. Like, right. I would understand why they would need every branch of the military at this guy's house, but one guy? I mean, come on. Like, have, like, a, a gaggle of cops and maybe, like, one or two SWAT dudes, but... Really? So they, they come in the house. They find out that it's not really his house it's, and he's not there. He has been there. He has been there because they find Cheryl Dempsey. Right. And she's like in this box and she's wearing a mask and she's basically like all her teeth are missing and her arms have been broken several times and, and just horrible. Missing a hand. Missing a hand. Like all of these horrible. And she's still alive. Yeah. And they find a shitload of tapes. Yeah. They find the tapes and then they find Cheryl Dempsey. And the first thing that I'm thinking is when I when I see the actress that's playing her and I see she's all She's so good. She's so oh my God. Stacy Chaboski. Isn't there another actress with that same last name? Chaboski? Yeah, she was in My Girl. Remember uh, little little blonde? That was Jim? Anna Klumsky. Okay, it's same difference. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> she she can make it. She'd be fine. She has been in some other movies. She was in Quarantine right after this. Yeah. And she was in Devil. Uh, Ooh, you know, that's a great a Shyamalan movie. joint. Have you seen that? I have. It's fantastic. It's all right. It's, it's a different turn, I think, from other his other movies, but it's very interesting. I really like it a lot. So then they managed to get a quote-unquote interview with her. Right. And the whole time she's just like, I don't know what you want me to say. I don't know what. what Visibly shaken. Yeah. Like she. Skitsy. Why would you want to live like that? I mean. She was whacked out. Yeah. Whacked. But that was the guy. Whacked. That wiggity whack. Wiggity wiggity whack. (laughs) I like it. Just watching her. Oh, man. In one of the scenes, it might have been the same scene where he had her kill a girl. The girl is begging her to help. She's like, help me, help me. And she's just like, no, fuck you. He won't like that. Stop yeah, he won't it. like that. Yeah. yeah, it's just like she's ugh. just completely trained. Just no, Mm-mm. no. Um. So what happens to uh, Cheryl Dempsey? She's okay, right? No, Aaron. A week after they quote unquote interviewed her, she committed suicide. Wah, Ain't that damn? <laughs> it's a good thing that this isn't about real people. Yeah. We're so irreverent. It's, we're just like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> like. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. It is about real people because this has happened. Elizabeth Smart. Aww. This is that, that girl that they just pulled out of this guy's sex dungeon that was there for like 10 years. Yeah. This, no. But that's what makes this movie so fucking scary is that all of this stuff can and has happened and yeah. will happen to somebody at some point probably happening right this minute to somebody oh no uh now i'm gonna be thinking about that while i check my trunk (laughs) you might want to look under the car too (laughs) 
I hear sometimes the killers like to go under there. They slash your uh, Achilles. That makes me like want to throw up. Like Doesn't the it? thought of my Achilles being cut is just like. Ugh. I know. That's the only part in Pet Cemetery that scares me. Like <laughs> that part where that little kid cuts that old man's Achilles tendon. It's pretty nasty shit. It is real gross. Yeah. But that's the only part that I was like. <gasps> the rest of the movie, I was like, eh, this one's not scary. So, nope. Cheryl Dempsey did not get through this. No. Unfortunately, they said that the week before she killed herself she was just waiting for him to come back she kept yeah. saying he's gonna come back for me he loves me he i loves know he me. loves me like oh my god that just that that really again it just skeeves me out just knowing that that's a real thing and that people are actually like that like people be nice to each other yeah. come on like we live in a really dark and scary world don't add to it by being a narcissistic serial killer get some help Save the rest of us. Just don't kill people because it's not nice. It's really not. Everybody's got a mother. Everybody's got a son, daughter. Stop it. Yeah. Stop killing you jerks. This fucking movie's great, isn't it? It is really good. And it's good because I'm still thinking about it. Like afterwards I'm going, This movie gives you top notch pacing, top notch suspense. Yeah. Top notch writing, top notch acting on a fucking shitty low budget no budget movie that barely even got released you know they filmed it in 15 days no that's two weeks that's insanity it is insanity and it's criminal that this movie didn't get more exposure and publicity i mean like i said this movie wasn't actually released until seven years after it was made yeah and by then everybody that wanted to see this movie had already pirated it yeah. You know, there was never any promotional buzz after the movie was released because everyone that wanted to see it had already seen it. Now, it had an official DVD release in October of last year. Yes. And it, it actually was released in Blu-ray, too, which is kind of funny uh, because that's the version we watched last night was the Blu-ray version. Oh, really? So you're watching a 1080p uh, film that's been, you know, digitally reduced to standard definition and... You could tell in some of the scenes that it's filmed in, you know, high def. Yeah. And they've just added all these effects. Because at some points, the effect clears up and you could clearly see an HD image underneath. Right. The VHS effect is just completely ruined at a couple of points. Yeah. Uh, when you watch it on Blu-ray. Now, I don't know. I saw that too. There were there were just some places where I was like, oh, that's a very clear picture. And, and yeah, it's gone. Anytime the VHS overlays stopped being there it looked like a high def image it was a cheap effect and i think they used it well i think it definitely added to the suspense but it was a big part of this movie the vhs effect it wasn't too cliche as far as how the videotapes were shot this movie was in no way cliche for a found footage film this was absolutely original it kind of makes me want to watch more found footage films well you should jordan i love found footage films I'll have to watch them with you because I want. I don't want to watch them by myself. <laughs> Too scary. Well, yes. <laughs> this movie was kind of a gruesome film. You know, it had some. Yeah. It had some nasty special effects, some gore, some viscera, some gross. Although there was one part at the end that made me laugh a whole lot, and it shouldn't have, but it did. So basically, they were making him out because they never caught him, right? No. In the movie, they he never, was caught, never him. caught. 
So they made him out to be like the serial killer king. Like he's the worst to ever, worse than Dahmer, worse than Bundy, worse than Gein, worse than any of the other serial killers. He is the... He's the proto-killer. There's one thing that an FBI agent talks about is how he hopes that this movie has some traction or if it does... He knows that he's going to go to every screening and he's going to see every, he's going to be there. And in my head, I'm going. They think that the killer would definitely show up to the screening of the movie about him. And I'm just sitting there going, he's going to go to every screening and every house and every theater in the world. And they're going to put out a bulletin and be like, beware of the serial killer movie watcher. He will watch all the movies and never leave your house. Ah. (laughs) Well, I think they're talking about cross-referencing <laughs> ticket sales. Like, if we see a guy who oh, bought know. 10 tickets, you know. I know. I just, just this image of this guy who's like, I'm going to watch this, all your movies and I'm never going to leave. <gasps> I, I could, I'm just picturing this this cop and he's just like, a, he's, he's staking out every screening he can. His wife's at home. Kids crying. He's sitting out in front of the movie theater with his binoculars. <laughs> going to find this guy. Serial killer movie watcher. Aha! So, did they ever give our guy a name? Was it the Water, Water Street, Street Butcher? Butcher. There yeah. You go. The, but that was the cop that got framed. So, I, but still. But I he guess was it, still the Water Street Butcher, still, even after they yeah. killed the very obviously cliche serial killer looking ass guy. <laughs> and I kind of wonder what this guy would have looked like because you never see what he looks like. The fact that we never get to see the killer in the end is both a, a really good narrative choice and a big disappointment because I, I just want to see the guy. Yeah. I, in the beginning part, was like picturing a, a Ted Bundy guy, but by the end, it was straight up BTK. So when I see this guy in my head, I'm seeing Dennis Rader. I don't know. I my got head like a- cannon has him looking like a 50-something fat guy, balding, Maybe. got some kids. Got a big power stash, got a power mustache. I got like a young Jeffrey Dahmer feel about him. Maybe he's got like long hair. He's kind of scraggly, big glasses, like somebody that you would not look at twice on the street. He's got to pass for a cop. Well, I mean, okay. So I'm not thinking it's too much of a stretch, but, (laughs) but I'm still, I'm still, I'm still seeing an older guy. Yeah, maybe. But he also has to be somewhat physically fit, too, because, uh, you know, killing bitches ain't easy. So uh, that was the that was the Poughkeepsie tapes. I love this film. It's it's one of my favorite found footage films. I'm not sure if the listeners have figured it out by now, but Jordan is not a found footage type person. She said you said that uh, they make you sick, right? Well, it mostly it has to do with how the camera motion goes like if it's like cloverfield where it's shaky cam through the whole thing i can't do it i fucking love cloverfield cloverfield is on my top 10 it gave me a headache and i went to go see that in theaters and about halfway through i looked at my date and i was like i can't i'm sorry i'm getting a headache i'm gonna get a migraine and he was like oh okay i'm sorry but it just it looks like it would be really good and i'm i'm sure that it's great i mean it is i've heard really great things but it's just too much. It's too much for my noggin. Cloverfield is a required annual watch. Well, maybe maybe we can watch it in a setting where I'm not in a movie theater. Like, the screen is just ginormous. Yeah. So, yeah, it might be better. I don't know. I mean, if you're not into it, you're not into it. It doesn't. It's okay. There's plenty of good movies out there, but you are missing out. Uh, there's a couple of found footage films that I consider to be... Just as good as your AAA 
titles yeah uh, right on par with them as far as not necessarily production quality because production quality in a found footage film is that's the point of found footage films is to make them cheaply right so having a found footage film that's got a lot of special effects in it doesn't really bump its status up for me there have been a few but uh, as above so below Okay. Is um, a found footage film. It takes place in the Paris catacombs. And this is a higher budget found footage film. It's got really good set pieces, really creepy atmosphere, good special effects, an amazing story, amazing actors, incredible writing. It, it's just as good as any horror movie you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. The claustrophobia is what does it for me because I don't get scared at movies, but I can get creeped out by claustrophobic situations. And the horror itch gets scratched Yeah, uh, for me with the claustrophobic stuff. And as above, cool. so below has it. There's a big supernatural and mystery element to it. It's also got kind of a pathfinding, almost Da Vinci Code-esque clue following mechanic to it that works really well. That sounds like another movie of white people doing things that they shouldn't. Yeah, that's it is. It yeah. is. Uh, and it all goes down in, in the Paris catacombs. It's cool. Another found footage film that is pretty good is Bobcat Goldthwaite made one about Bigfoot. It's called Willow Creek. Huh. It's another one of those atmospheric. See, that's the thing with found footage films. It's all about the atmosphere. Yeah. They're good at building suspense. They could always have the big bad off camera. You never have to see it. We need to just do a found footage episode one of these days. I'm going to f- I'm gonna make you watch all the found footage films that I can make you watch before yeah. you quit hanging out with me. And, <laughs> and we'll we'll do a whole found footage episode because I could really go on forever about these. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting genre because, I mean, it takes a special kind of people to, to write, produce, film, and star in found footage films because you could end up not being found by anybody. If yeah. that makes sense, as far as like your movie goes, like yeah. you could. And I well, feel like- did you know that we, uh, Mike and I, interviewed a guy who made a found footage film a couple of weeks ago? Really, uh, un- unlisted owner is the name of the movie. It's on Amazon Prime, and got to talk to him about distribution and all this, and he had a fucking hell of a time getting this movie out. Oh God, I, I can mean, only it imagine. was uh, it's a nightmare. The, his story is insane. Yeah, you'll have to listen to it. That's crazy. Yeah. Where can we listen to that? Well, nowhere. Oh no. <laughs> if you could if you come to my house, I'll play it for you. <laughs> uh we haven't released it yet. I don't know what we're gonna do with it. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean uh, I I Hey, would... maybe we'll make it a Patreon exclusive. <gasps> um but yeah, uh I, I would definitely you know, if if you are a fan of horror movies, if you're a fan of found footage films i would definitely put it up there i mean it was it was creepy and it was sometimes a little too gruesome but i think overall they did a really good job with the detail and making it feel like a real documentary like this is a real person that is out there this movie punches way above its weight class oh yeah i agree uh it's a it's it's a hidden gem everyone should watch it it's good you know just give it a shot because it's it's a good film yeah It, like I say, it's it's one of my favorites. If you like the if you like the other movies I've recommended, well, watch this too, you fuckers. Watch the fucking film. So you can find us on a lot of 
uh, social media websites. You can find us uh, on Twitter at Defire Cinema. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Dumpster Fire Cinema. You can also send us emails, dumpsterfirecinema at gmail.com. That's right. We are also on Blog Talk Radio. We are part of the Astro Panda family. Um, so we post there, but we're also on iTunes, Google, Stitcher. I think that's it. Wherever fine podcasts are found. Yeah. Uh, we also have a Patreon. You can come give us money and we will give you exclusive content. Yes. Um, which we have quite a bit of stocked up now. Yeah. So it's it's patreon.com slash Defire Cinema. Defire Cinema. Yeah. So go check it out. Go look at the different levels. Like I said, one of the new rewards that I'm gonna be doing is if you contribute to a certain level, I will sing you a wonderful, amazing cover song of your choice. It'll be filmed, it'll be lovely and you can just keep it by your bedside and watch it when you get lonely i mean yeah and if you want us to have the song like taylor made specifically for you like like uh if you want her to sing valerie but maybe your name's joey so you want her to change the name valerie to joey well we'll do that for you yeah yeah for sure there was one other thing that I forgot to mention at the top of the episode was um, we actually reached 500 followers, which for those of you nice. who were, we're past that now, but for those of you who've been doing podcasting for a while, probably like 500, <sighs> whatever. But to us, it's exciting because Hell we've yeah. never done a podcast like this before. So we had our 500th follower was Movie Reviews In. Um, that's their that's their Twitter name. Um, so they do movie reviews just like us. So because they were our 500th follower... Um, I'm, I am giving them a shout out. Definitely go check them out. Go listen to their episodes for movie reviews. They have a lot of really cool questions on their Twitter page that you can always ask. Like one of them was, who would you want to be your quiz partner? I picked Sherlock Holmes, but you know, that was just an obvious answer. But it seemed like it was it was a good one. Yeah, Sherlock, um, I'm sure. I'd probably go with Doogie Howser. Ooh, yeah. that's a good one. Also, because they were our 500th follower, um, I said that I would do a cover song of their choice. And they actually asked if I would sing a little jingle, jingle. of their old song lyrics that they used on the show, which I am working on that, guys. So if you're listening and you're going, hey, where's our song? Just know that I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, Can't I'm, rush perfection. I'm just guys. busy. OK, I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing everything I can. Let them know that you stopped by. Yeah. Thanks for following, guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dumpster Fire Cinema. Be sure to tell your friends. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. By the way, you can call 1-800-DICKS for some sharp dicks. 1-800-SHARP-DICK. <laughs>